Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Thursday edition of the Just Baseball Show. I'm Aram Layton. He's Peter Apple, and we have a lot of topics to get through today, but specifically the shortstop position, how it's been a surprise in the worst way possible, and how we are bozos for our rankings. Unfortunately, Jacob deGrom out for the season, Tommy John surgery. That's an unfortunate thing that we got to unpack a little bit. And then we're going to bounce around with a few different headlines, a few different things that I know you want to get to. We might try to get to Michael Harris a little bit as well and his struggles. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by our friends at BetMGM. If you use the code just baseball and sign up and deposit into your account, you'll be able to get a full deposit match up to $1,000 in bonus bets. If it loses, I think I said that right. I'm still going to get better at that bet MGM. You can, you can add that in Peter. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. So basically if you use promo code, just baseball, place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If it loses, the good thing is we've been on a little bit of a heater when it comes to not gambling advice. So we haven't been dishing out that many losses, but of course it's a long season. So might as well get your free money on bet MGM. Yeah, before we press the record button and when we were talking about what we wanted to speak on this show, I was looking at our top tens, right? (laughs) And our lists were pretty solid, but I wanted to talk about some specific shortstops. So I looked back at this list in particular, and I realized that the top four on our list are all off to really bad seasons. So we're at the time now where we are two, almost two and a half months into the major league season. 
And it's not time to press the panic button because they all deserve to be within the top 10. It's just, where did we go wrong? Is there any sort of panic button that we have to press? Going to be a big shortstop discussion, but we definitely have to talk about Jacob deGrom, unfortunately, out for the season after undergoing Tommy John surgery. And first, hearing him choke up, talk about yeah, that sucked. what he needs to do in order to come back. At 34 years old, it's so tough. And what pissed me off, Arm, the most was people on social media weirdly taking a victory lap. Like, yeah. oh, I knew he was going to get hurt. Look at me. Look at me. I'm yeah. so good at this. I shut the hell up. I mean, what are we doing here? Congratulations. You saw a guy that hasn't made 15 or more starts in the <laughs> past couple of seasons, and you saw him at 34 years old, and you thought he was going to get hurt congratulations you're yeah. very intelligent i mean what a bozo take we're gonna we are the bozos for the shortstops at least right now but that that take just irked me yeah i'd rather be that kind of bozo i'll, I'll say this i mean like social media is always going to be a an a, a terrible barometer of of you know but the, it's like people with public. verified accounts with thousands of followers these are, this isn't just joe schmo with nine followers well, and his bio is like you know, I don't, I'm not even going to No, I know what you're saying. It, the argument I hate, because the one thing I did see was like, who cares? He got paid a lot of money and like, he's going to make $200 million, whatever. Like he's fine. And like, he was able to get this money despite people knowing that there might be an arm issue. It, it's not all about the money, man. Like, I'm not saying that we need to start a GoFundMe for Jacob deGrom and, and, you know, be waiting outside his house to cheer him up, but just like have some, some sympathy here. Like this is a man that, clearly loves still loves playing baseball and honestly there's not as many players that seem to love it as much as Jacob deGrom does you'd be surprised of how many major leaguers don't love it that much I, the the emotions uh, right when he says I'm not going to be pitching for a long time the road to get back all of those things like this is a guy that you know playing baseball is probably his favorite thing to do he wants he's the best in the world at at pitching and he doesn't get to do that. That's the craziest part. It's like, imagine I tell you, like, you have the ability to fly, but every time you try to fly, like, your wings break and you fall. Like, you could do the coolest thing in the world and you're not able to do it. It's like teasing you almost. It's That's where I really feel for DeGrom because, of course, look, if he never we, – we just talked about Steven Strasburg and, and that whole situation. I mean, that stinks. He also got his money, fortunately, too, from, like, a life standpoint – I mean, DeGrom, I feel like doesn't have the World Series, but does have, you know, a lot more of a body of work and, and you know, the Cy Youngs and all of that to go with it. Like, he's been successful. At the same time, he still has so much more to do. Like, I see he's still so much more in him. So I, I am hoping that this Tommy John surgery maybe gets him right because this was something that's kind of been in the fold for a little bit. Uh, th there was talk two years ago. That he might need Tommy John surgery. I, I, we don't know all the details. They've kind of kept it close to their vest since he was with the Mets, but I think there had to be some sort of partial tear there that he was throwing through. The rest of his body seemed to be kind of going out of kilter as he was trying to throw through it over the last couple of years. And I'm hoping that this just gets him right. You take care of the Tommy John. You're not throwing for a year and change, a year and a half. You're taking care of the rest of your body. He comes back at 35. I don't know if we'll be closer to 36 regardless. And I think he could still be dynamite. So I'm hoping that this is kind of finally just ripping the Band-Aid off. And maybe we get a final stage to Grom here when he comes back. I'm hoping too. 
but I hate to say it, Arm. How likely is that, right? I mean, you said it yourself. In his mid-30s getting Tommy John surgery. Second this time. Is second Tommy John surgery. I mean, this is, you know, I mentioned the fact that he hasn't thrown more than 15 starts since 2019. And now he's going to have a full recovery. So he probably won't be back until the middle of next year at the earliest, right? Because it's not like he's getting in the offseason. He should be back by opening day of April of 2024. He probably won't be back until July of 2024. And then how does he look? Right? And then he's 35. Then he's 36 the next year. This is just really, really shitty. And I don't know if we're ever going to see even close to what we've seen from DeGrom. Like, we know that at this point, Tommy John surgery is almost much better than a shoulder surgery or something like that. So it's definitely possible. And if there's a guy to believe in, you know Jacob DeGrom is going to do the work in order to get back. So I'm definitely not counting him out. It's just father time is undefeated. Yeah. And it's not like a guy who's 30 starts, 30 starts, 30 starts, Tommy John. He'll be back. He just hasn't been healthy for a long time now. And it's just hard to imagine that we're going to get even anything close to Jacob DeGrom come middle of 2024 and beyond. What I'm hoping to, though, is, you know, we, we were talking about it before and people were like, you know, oh, why doesn't he just operate at 93 to 95? You can't just do that. But now if the new Jacob deGrom is, you know, down a couple ticks from the upper 90s and is sitting more 94, 96, 93, 95 with his command, he could still be a really good pitcher. And kind of like we saw with Justin Verlander, I know he didn't have two Tommy Johns, but with Justin Verlander. You, you have a guy here that, yeah, the velocity is slightly diminished now. He used to be a guy upper 90s. Now he's more, you know, mid 90s. And we saw how dominant he was last year because of just the ability to pitch. So that's my hope. I, I think you're right for every single one of those reasons. And I think the odds are technically not in his favor. Um, but again, if, like you said too, if there's one person that can do it, it's him. And if he's operating 93, 95, I still think that guy is a frontline kind of arm. And e- even if he's something close to, you know, a number two or number three, I still think that'd be a nice silver lining out of all of this because I don't want to get too deep into this, but I feel like it, it is an interesting conversation. Jacob deGrom right now with his body of work, is he a hall of famer in 10 years uh, with 10 years of work here? Not even 10 years, really. It's like eight He's a very, very interesting player because throughout MLB history, it's hard to find guys who are as good at their peak as a Jacob deGrom. But I look back on it, and I do end up thinking that he will be a Hall of Famer because I look at two Cy Youngs. I look at a Rookie of the Year. I look at a bunch of All-Stars. I look that he finished fifth in MVP voting. And he's got a career 2-5-3 ERA. But then I glance over at another guy who had a relatively short peak, but is still considered one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax, right? He's got three Cy Youngs. He has about as many all-star appearances. He does have an MVP, and he finished second in MVP in two different seasons. But again... 12 years in Major League Baseball at a 276 ERA. Now, 
I don't know if the Hall of Fame voters are going to hold wins against DeGrom, right? We don't give a shit about wins, but Sandy does, or yeah, Sandy Koufax has 165 compared to Jacob DeGrom's 86 ish. 84. 84. I wonder if they'll hold that against him, but that's where I think he's in the bucket of. And if you just look at a pitch by pitch basis, Jacob DeGrom might be the greatest pitcher who's ever lived. So I don't know how he can't be in the Hall of Fame. Now, if his career is over today, I think it's a discussion. If it's over today, it's going to be very challenging. But I think Hall of Fame voters are going to look at Jacob DeGrom and look at what he did, even though it was 92 innings. But in 2021, it had a 1.08 ERA and was arguably the best-looking pitcher Ever and I don't even. It was. Know I mean, every close. stat you could pull out. It was the most dominant stretch I think we've really seen since like they had to move the mound back. But the other thing too, he's the all-time leader in strikeout to walk ratio, like that, yeah. which is like to me is basically the most one of the most important things a pitcher can do. Right, strike guys out, don't walk them. Ratio of that is usually going to be the best pitchers of all time. Um, it's it's going to be a really interesting case. I that's a big reason why I'd love to see him come back. It doesn't help that he got a late start to his career too. you know, converted shortstop, all that good stuff. Late, late draft pick didn't really debut until he was 26. I I would love to see even a couple more just decent seasons from him. And I think he really strengthens his case, but it would be a really unique case here given how short his peak is even shorter than Sandy Koufax's. So it would be pretty tough. The last thing I'll say on DeGrom is I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on the record and say, I think he comes back. And I actually think he, he gives a couple years of, of surprisingly good production. Um, once he comes back from this, I, again, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, but I do know about how, if you have one arm issue, it will kind of manifest itself into other issues because of the way that your body naturally compensates. And clearly his body was compensating in a lot of one day. It was a back. Another day it was a lat. Another day that the shoulder was kind of bothering him. It was always all these different things. So I'm hoping that just taking care of this, finally, something that he definitely was throwing through for a while, uh, will get him to the point where, you know, he can even be 70% of what he was 70% of what he was is still one of the best pitchers in major league baseball is still an all-star and is still a guy that's going to continue to build that, you know, hall of fame resume. But I think that's the range of emotions too. I don't know if he was thinking about the hall of fame, but I think he's thinking about just, you know, what his career looks like when he's all, when it's all said and done. And this is a huge blip in it because now he misses an entire year and a half, almost two seasons now, when, as you mentioned, he has not thrown more than a hundred innings since 2019. Uh, which is which sucks because he probably would have done it in 2020. He looked healthy that year, so it, which also blows. So it, it's a really interesting case, uh, really unfortunate. And what's in what, what, the Texas Rangers wrinkle of this though, Peter? You kind of we, we were watching them succeed without him, and we were not really expecting Degrom to come back. Like every time we talked about the Texas Rangers, we never said, "Oh, and they're getting Degrom back." Like that was kind of just a a cherry on top because we figured it's probably unlikely and just sets you up for failure to, to assume that he is going to make an impact for you. Now you know for sure that he's not going to make an impact for you this year or next year. Should the Texas Rangers be surveying the starting pitching market? Yeah, they definitely should be. Um, I don't think, weirdly enough, it's super, super pressing. 
because of some of the production from John Gray. Of course, Martin Perez is coming off a really good outing. He's been kind of up and down, but you're not relying on him to kind of be your ace because you have Nathan Eovaldi, because you have John Gray. And Dane Dunning, at least in the rotation, has looked serviceable enough. So I don't think they need to be on the lookouts for a Shane Bieber or any type of ace caliber pitcher. But I think adding an arm is an absolute must for this Rangers team. But luckily they have the best offense in Major League Baseball from one to nine. And I just keep harping on these two on uh, these guys at the bottom. It's like Ezekiel Duran and Leody Tavares in the eight and nine. They're both hitting 300. They'd be hitting third and fourth on sub teams, it, it seems like most days. Just to wrap up before we continue to talk about, you know, the Rangers situation. Pedro Martinez um, over his entire career and Sandy Koufax and Jacob deGrom, some of the best pitchers that we've ever seen. We use a stat called ERA plus, very similar to WRC plus, OPS plus. When we're looking at hitters, it compares across eras. It's park adjusted and 100 is major league average. Sandy Koufax is at a 131 ERA plus for his career in 12 seasons. Pedro Martinez who I think, honestly, is the greatest pitcher of all time, is at a 154 ERA+. plus. Jacob deGrom is at 155. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. It, 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 he is such a unique case, uh, but I think that that really sums it up in terms of how dominant he has been when he's, when he's on the field. Um, the last thing I'll say, I guess, with the Rangers is I agree with you on the rotation front. I actually think Perez is going to settle in. Heaney has been settling in as mm-hmm. well. He, he yeah. looks like a fine back end of the rotation starter. I do agree, though, if they want to be World Series contenders, maybe you make that more aggressive Shane Bieber-esque splash as you get closer to the deadline. But for now, I'd ride this out. Like that, you don't need to force the issue. Like you yeah. said, I, I wouldn't force the issue either. But if this team is still humming, if you're still clicking on all cylinders, I'm looking for an arm I trust in the playoffs, which is hard to find. But the thing is, they have so much prospect capital, guys that are, I think, really good borderline top 100 prospects or top 100 prospects who are just blocked, like Luis Angel Acuna, uh, like Justin Foscue, that could get you pretty much. You package those guys, you could get a lot of arms. So, I'm excited to see what Chris Young does. Chris Young's been doing an unbelievable job with this team. It's it's more than just spending money. It's been building around the guys that they spent on, and and we've seen them do a lot of good things on top of the you know exorbitant spending. So this should be a fun deadline for the Rangers, who are now buyers. And it's so messed up, dude, because I've been doing my draft prep, and the Texas Rangers have the fourth pick in this draft. So it, it's so funny because the, it shows you how quick the turnaround was, too. So now they they can also trade a little bit from their prospects, you know, glut because they're about to reload with another almost guaranteed top 100 guy with that number four overall pick. Oh, and by the way, yes, Kumar Rocker's out, but the guy that they use those savings to get, Brock Porter, he looks like a top 100 arm. He has been dominating. I should have mentioned him in the minor league report. So they are loaded up system-wise. Get ready for the Rangers to do something crazy. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I love that you mentioned um, the draft and and also Chris Young. So I want to answer both of those both of those points. I am obsessed with the top end of this draft because I think there is four real studs with the possibility of a fifth. 
Yeah. Right. When you look at Dylan Cruz out of LSU, who I think once he gets drafted could be up in the big leagues within a year. I think he is already a at least average to plus center fielder. And the bat is just special from a hit tool and a power tool perspective. Then you have Paul Skeens, who people are starting to compare to Steven Strasburg. It's a little much, but in the yeah. sense of he is it's one like of the. There. Yeah, it's not fair. He is still one of the better pitching prospects that we've He'll seen. Fly. Come out He'll fly. He'll make draft. a handful of starts and go straight to the big league. He already too. has major league ready stuff. It's just about refining the command a little bit, and it's already good. And then he'll be up in the bigs quickly. I think Wyatt Langford. You could argue that he might have a better bat than Dylan Cruz, or at least in that conversation, it's, right there. it's so good. And Walker Jenkins, I'm falling in love with this kid day over day over day. I, the swing looks perfect to me. And if he gains any more weight and gets any bigger because he's still young, he's still a high school outfielder, and he's got like a similar arm to like a Kyle Tucker where it's like that kind of lanky arm that just throws absolute missiles from right field. And then you have Max Clark, of course, who is yeah. like that leadoff dynamic type player. So they're going to get a stud who they can instantly kind of slot into their minor leagues. But ending on the Chris Young point, Building through free agency is very, very challenging, right? We've seen the Yankees do it in the 90s with, with the George Steinbrenner, and it ended up working. But we've also seen a lot of cases of signing a bunch of free agents and it not working. Shout out Chris Young. All the free agents that he's signed have all hit. How about Marcus Semyon in the midst of a 25-game hit streak? How about Corey Seager, where we're going to talk about shortstop soon? possibly being the best shortstop in Major League Baseball up to this point, Yeah, right? We talk about John Gray. We even talk about the guys who they signed in the rotation from Andrew Heaney, who have been solid back in arms. They didn't pay that much for him. Then you look at the Joey Gallo trade where they got Ezekiel Duran. That wasn't exactly, you know, free agents, but he keeps- No, but that's the thing. They, 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 they complimented him well with, yeah. with good moves. I. That that trade, the Joey Gallo return, I think they did great on it. And and you look at what Duran has been doing for them, like that's been a big part of, of I think why they've been successful too. There's just no break in their lineup. How about the trade for Jonah Heim? Yep. It, you, you trade, I believe it was Chris. The, the the trade was something along the lines of Elvis Andrews and like another prospect, and I think they got. Chris Davis, which was funny, and then also got uh, Jonah Heim. And Jonah Heim's now turned into one of the best catchers in baseball. So it, it, it's the little moves, too, uh, that have really been impressive. Chris Young is – and then he's drafted well also. Yep. Yeah, he's drafted well. So th there's a lot of things that Chris Young has done really well, and it's beyond the spending. And, yeah, you could say, oh, well, anyone can just cut Marcus Semyon and Corey Seager a check. Well, yeah, but we're about to talk about how a lot of these – Big money shortstops have not been great. Any of us would have said, oh, I'll cut Trey Turner a check in two seconds. Yeah, we talked about how we thought the deal was a, a very long, but no one talked about it being bad in the first five years. I still think he'll be fine, but like it just shows you they picked the spot to spend, and they may have signed two of the better free agents over the last couple of years in terms of production that they've already gotten. So uh, you got to tip your cap to Chris Young. It's more than just spending. And it's more than than just, I would say, just kind of firing from the hip. Like, he's made a lot of good moves between the margins to complement what they have in the big fish side of things as well. And they've kind of pieced together a decent bullpen. So I, I'm a yeah, big Will, fan Will of what, Smith, what he's doing. Will Smith was cast aside, right? 
and he's yep. been good in their back end. It hasn't been great. I know there have been the blowups, but there have been blowups for relievers all across Major League Baseball. You didn't sign him to be, you know, your absolutely elite closer. You gave him a chance, and look what he's doing. So, you know, you have to think of him as number one right now for executive of the year, right? Of course, you could just go with Alex Anthopoulos, and I'd honestly be like, yeah, you're probably right. But, like, from what they were to what they are now and – you know the Rangers front office, John Daniels. They they laid a they laid a good foundation there, but Chris Young has come in and he's just been fantastic. So shout out Chris Young. But and we're talking about Chris Young signing Corey Seager to that ten year, or what was it? Yeah, ten year, three hundred twenty million dollar deal. What what did Corey Seager sign for? Three twenty five, I think it was. 325. Let's talk about those shortstops. I also wanted to shout out one more like sneaky good move. Now that he's back off the IL. How about Isaiah Kiner Falefa for Mitch Garver? I mean, Mitch Garver, I, he's already been raking since the, the start of kind of just jumping back in. Since he's returned, he's been going off. And, and again, that's just another good piece for them. And then I think that Daniel Lowe was was after Chris Young took over, another great move. Uh, that guy's been a huge part of what they're doing. I, I am not totally positive if that was him. I'm going to check the date on the Nathaniel Lowe move. It was either right before or right after like Chris Young's first move. Regardless, good job by sticking by him because he's been great. But yeah, let's talk about these shortstops because do you want to go through the lens of the free agents or the lens of our list? Should we rehash our list real quick? Um, so. Read- I'll, I'll rehash the list. So at the beginning of the season, we came in with our top 10 shortstops. We started um, at number 10 with Tommy Edmond of the St. Louis Cardinals, who has been pretty solid. Is he a top 10 shortstop right now? I don't know. We could we could easily have that argument. Um, and he's not even playing that much a shortstop. He's kind of playing all over for the St. Louis Cardinals. Juan Franco is at nine. I think at this point, when we were ranking before, we even wrote where to place Wander Franco was one of the hardest decisions that had to be made on this list. Franco could put up the best season of anyone listed, and it wouldn't surprise any of us. He is just that talented. We just didn't have that much data backing him, right? You know, he only had it was injury risk. It's just it was just pure injury risk. It was like, pure it, injury it, risk, but uh, we needed to put him within this top ten. Willie Damas, you know, was having a pretty solid season, but then of course is now currently out with a concussion. Um, Dansby Swanson, Dansby Swanson at seven. I think it's a pretty solid placement for him. He hasn't been amazing, but he also has been just pretty solid. I think seven is a fine spot for Dansby at six. We had Bo Bichette. Enough said he's been one of the best shortstops in major league baseball. You might want to move him a little bit higher, but I think the top five is where I, you could say we messed up on June 8th that it is today. But at the same time, didn't we all expect that number one could be Francisco Lindor, that number two could be Trey Turner, number three would be Xander Bogarts, number four would be Carlos Correa, number five would be Corey Seager? You know, I argued tooth and nail for Corey Seager, but at the same time, like, I didn't think he'd be one, right? <laughs> I didn't think he'd be one. I, I was debating between him and Carlos Correa, and of course the season isn't quite over yet. But Corey Seager, I think, has been – of course, you got Boba Shedd and Juan Franco in there too. Yeah, I would say I think Seager – Seager checks in at three just because of injury. But I would like say in terms so. of how he's performed when he's on the field, no one's been better. Yeah. But Wander and, and Bichette have been so insane for 60 games. That said, so a couple of things I wanted to highlight before I ask you the question of, of who are you most concerned about? And then I'm, I'm going to kind of 
talk about who I'm the most concerned about of the guys that we put in our top five that are not performing. But I wanted to highlight actually Dansby Swanson because we talk about it from the free agency lens. Dansby's been the best signing so far. Yeah. Um, you know, again, there's a, there's a lot of years under these deals and we'll see, but Dansby's been the best of the bunch. It, you talk about him being pretty good offensively. Like that's fine. I'll take a 118 WRC plus from Dansby Swanson. You know, the defense is going to be elite. He's a 2.6 F four. That's third among shortstops right now in major league baseball behind only Bichette and Franco. So you pay Dansby to be on the field, as we talked about, to be on the field, to play good defense, and give you slightly above average offense. He's giving you all of that and then some. So we were saying, like, if if Dansby's a, you know, three to four or four and change F4 guy, it's a good deal. He's on pace to smash that, Peter. I just think it's it's the glove that is always just going to be so solid for him. That's why I, I thought it was a relatively good deal. Like, he was one of the players that – you know, a lot of people shit on the deal because it's like, well, no way he replicates that performance. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't pay him 10 years, 400 million, because if he was going to replicate that performance every single year, that's what he'd be worth. Yeah. But if he was a four to five win player, that's easily worth the contract and he could get three wins with the glove alone. And there's he was a guy who, you know, I think we all identified where he improved every single season and all accounts were that he's one of the hardest workers in Major League Baseball. So to say that he's just going to regress and not fix some of those things that were hurting him at the beginning of the career, I thought was just short-sighting a guy who continues to get better and continues to fix all of his flaws. So yeah. Dansby was a guy who I thought, yeah, that was a pretty solid contract. Was it a little bit more than I might have thought? Maybe a little bit, but not much. There was just so much anti-Dansby discourse. Because people didn't, think he, people didn't think he'd replicate that last season. I'm like, that's not the point. If he could be a little bit worse than that, it's well worth the contract. Seven years, $177 million. Looks like an absolute bargain compared to a lot of these other deals. And again, he is on pace to be pretty close to what he did last year, which is not something that really any of us expected. So this could be a fantastic deal for the Chicago Cubs. But... We get to the to the guys that we ranked very highly and how they're struggling a little bit. And I think you got to look at the top four specifically. You got Carlos Correa, you've got Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, and Francisco Lindor. Let's start with one at Lindor, who, you know, he got the number one spot for us because of the defense. Right. He's the, the best defensive shortstop in baseball. He's one of the best all-around defenders in baseball. And, and even his season so far this year exemplifies that because despite having a 96 WRC plus and getting on base at a 287 clip, he has a 1.5 F4 just solely on the defense. He went yard last night. He's mm -hmm. looking better. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, this is not the top shortstop in baseball right now. How concerned are you about Francisco Lindor? And would how much would you move him again? Because we have to we have to be clear here. It's it's June, so yeah. we 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 can't totally not, shake up the list. I'm not moving anyone from our list, right? This is for the entirety of 2023, so things need to happen. We're just bringing up the list to kind of show where we were at at the beginning and just kind of check in on these guys. But I stand by the list. I want that to be very clear. This is for at the end of the season. Let's see how all these guys shake out. So I'm not moving anybody. But if we're talking about Francisco Lindor, 
He's hitting under. He's sitting around two hundred against yeah, right-handed pitching this year. Oh, against right-handed pitching, you said against right-handed pitching from the left Ooh. side of the plate. He's been much better against lefties. So he's actually hitting two hundred two with a six forty OPS against right-handed pitching, and he's been perfectly fine against lefties. He's got an eight forty OPS, but that's just not Francisco Lindor. Right in twenty twenty two, the OPSs were seven eighty across the board. In 2021, he was better against right-handed pitching. In 2020, better against right-handed pitching. In 2019, way better against right-handed pitching. So I think it's just a slow start. Like, I hate to be so simple about it, but it's just an outlier. It's just two months. That's why it's still early. It's two months of very below-average production for himself against his normal better split. I think he's going to shake out of it, and the defense is there. That's why I always thought he was the safe number one because I was like, look at him right now. This is the worst Francisco Lindor. Here it is. We're seeing it. He's hitting 200 yeah. against right-handed pitching and he's got a 1.5 F4. That's yeah. why I was confident putting him at number one because the other guys, they'd overcome some stuff to have a 1.5 F4, right? Lindor, this is his worst and he's almost a two-win player already. Yeah, I was going to say, of, of the of the guys we're going to talk about, Lindor, I'm without a doubt, the least concerned about you've mentioned the defense and that's going to always make him safe. But the bat is, is just, it's too proven at this point. Is is he going to be the, the 38 home run guy we saw in 2018 in Cleveland? No, I think we've kind of realized that that's not really there anymore. That's not really who he is, but I still wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he finishes a year really close to what he did last year, which was a 127 WRC plus and 26 homers again with the elite defense. So I'm not worried about Lindor really in the slightest. They will get they will get going as a team. He will get going specifically. Trey Turner is interesting because Trey Turner seemed like the no-brainer. We talked about how the, the back end of the contract could be a little bit alarming uh, when you give a guy that's 29 years old, you know, a contract into his 40s, like that's always a little bit scary when his game is very predicated on speed. 11 years, $300 million. But nobody was considering the fact that he could just get off to a slow start in this deal. We assumed he'd be great from the jump. This dude put up back-to-back seasons of 6F4, 6.8, 6.3. 2020 uh, almost went 30-30 in 2021 and then went 2020 last year. And, it, and the defense has graded out. I know Dodgers fans will tell you something else, but the defense has graded out as solid. So you have a guy that seems like a can't-miss shoe-in top three shortstop in baseball. I didn't really blink at putting him at number two between what he has done in terms of adding power, uh, what he's done in terms of just continuing to get better as a hitter and still being a menace on the base paths. We talked about the rule changes, how that could play into his favor, all of those things. He's a 79 WRC plus so far. He is a 0.7 F4. He does have seven home runs and eight stolen bases, but this is not the trade Turner I'm used to. And He's striking out more than he ever has by a good margin, 24% K rate thus far. A couple things I'm concerned about with him. And it could be just a factor of coming off the World Baseball Classic. He felt like he was hitting a home run every single game. He's called Captain America. And then he goes into a new city like Philadelphia, which is a tough place to play in, and really wants to prove himself from the jump. Right? Chase rate. High of it, highest of his career. He's swinging a lot more than he's than we're used to, right? Just looks like he's kind of getting out of his approach a little bit. That's what I think is leading to the higher strikeout rate. But a couple of things that I'm 
more concerned about that I don't think have to do anything with that narrative, which could also just be untrue. I'm just trying to piece together a puzzle of a guy we're so used to being so consistent. Lowest zone contact rate of his career. Yeah. Combined with him being a horrific fastball hitter. Minus 12 run value against fastballs this year. Against fastballs, he is hitting 160. Last season against fastballs, he hit 302. I don't get it. It's just weird. Like with Lindor, there's no like metrics where you're like, like alerts, red beams, right? It's not the fire that's happening outside of New York City. Yeah. It's not there's no there's no alarms being sounded. But with Turner, he just doesn't look like Trey Turner at all. This doesn't just look like a slow stretch. It's like he's actively going out of his approach that we've seen for years and years and years. Lindor, I just feel like, is just going through it right now against righties. Turner, it's happening against everybody. And then t- to put a cherry on top. The new rules should have you stealing more bases. Why do you have eight stolen bases? Yeah, he's got to get on base. <laughs> I know he's got to get on base, but it, he should be at 15 stolen bases right now. This is Trey Turner who could steal 50 or 60 bases based on his speed and based on his mental approach to base running because he's not only a good runner, he's a great runner, he's a really good base stealer. Yeah, But those, ba- those base stolens... <laughs> that was a horrible way to phrase it. Stealing bases. stealing bases have been coming down year over year too. Yeah. He's just not the guy that maybe we think he is, but I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking. He's just a really tough case. He's definitely, I mean, he's earned the benefit of the doubt and I'm not going to, uh, I don't think I'm going to fully sound the alarms yet, but I will say of, of profiles uh, so far of the guys that we're going to talk about, Turner's has to be the most alarming. To me, it almost looks like there's just a, a a bat speed issue in terms of like just I don't. It seems like he's almost hurt. Like something's not right because you mentioned uh, the all time worst zone contact. Sometimes the chase rate can go up when you feel like you're slower to the baseball. You try to make decisions earlier, and when you make decisions earlier, you make the wrong decision more frequently. Struggling against fastballs is interesting because. Again, that seems like a bad speed thing. And then his max exit velocity is way lower than he's ever really had it. So he's always been in the 81 to 90th percentile in max exit velocity. This year, he's in the 55th percentile. So it, it is weird. It just seems like the the juice is not there. He's not as twitchy. He's not as quick to the ball. And we're seeing that really impact him across the board. You cannot hit 150 against fastballs and succeed in major league baseball. So something is very off there. And I don't know if it's a matter of just getting right. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's going to need to figure that out uh, because this is, I think the most alarming batted ball profile again, of of all the guys we're going to talk about. So I would say I'm pretty concerned about Trey Turner relative to to the other guys that we're going to discuss. I agree. I, I think he could potentially turn in a type of season that was similar to when Francisco Lindor first signed that contract with the New York Mets. Now, in the preceding seasons, he was much better, and Trey Turner, or at least Francisco Lindor, I know we're kind of worried about him right now, but at least has been 
somewhat worth the money so far. I think the same for Trey Turner, but at the same time, I think he could just be in for one of his worst seasons that he's ever had this season. But another batted ball profile that I'm pretty concerned about, and this was the guy within our top five that I was most concerned about putting him high at all, was Xander Bogarts. And the reason I was a little bit nervous because I was wondering how the defense would adjust. I always thought that he would hit. It's Xander Bogarts. He's He was born to shoot doubles off walls. That's what he does. But he's done exactly the complete opposite of what I thought. He's in the 100th percentile of outs above average. Yeah. He has been a phenomenal defender. But the bat hasn't been there. 725 OPS. But what's I think most concerning is if we're talking about quality of contact, the lowest really in his prime by a decent margin, and it's led to a 388 slugging percentage, right? A guy who we're used to seeing doubles off the wall has eight doubles and seven home runs. Like in 2022, he had 38 doubles, 34 the year before. He's not on pace to do that, right? Highest ground ball rate of his career. So a guy who's meant to hit is not really hitting, and the defense has been there, but the defense is going to fade year over year. But in the first season, the bat is the one that's struggling. Maybe that's why I'm the most concerned about Xander Bogarts. Not for this season. Like when you talk about batted profile this season, I'm more concerned about Trey Turner. But if we're looking at the scope of these long contracts, Bogarts is the one that shoots out to me that I'm the most concerned about long term. See, I, I'm not worried about Bogarts too much. We saw him come out and swing it early and looked really good, and now he's been dealing with this like pretty nagging, pretty bad nagging wrist injury, and mm. I mean it, that hampers a hitter so bad. That's a good point, especially a handsy hitter like Xander Bogarts. And yeah, you look at what he did through the first. I want to say it was first 25 games in a 9.59 OPS. And then since then, he has had a 556 OPS. He just missed the game the other day with the wrist issue. I think they should put him on the IL, but they can't because they suck right now. And they need the shell of Xander, which which is annoying. You saw Machado. He was dealing with a hand issue. He wasn't hitting well either. I really think it's the wrist that's messing up Xander right now. I think that would explain you know, the struggles with slug. I think it would explain a, a lot of the different issues. But you look at the walk strikeout to walk ratio. That looks pretty good. Uh, you look at a lot of the swing decision stuff that looks pretty good. It just looks like he doesn't feel good. And that's why I, I wonder why you would have a hitter who a guy that again, his value, like you said, is very you know predicated on how much he hits try to play through this wrist issue. I, I don't understand this one. Cause clearly he just isn't right from it. That I think was Xander's going to be okay. That was my original thought. I just said, when I heard about that, I was like, okay, couple games a week, maybe they put him on the IL, but they never put him on the IL. And it might be just a simple fact of we need you right now. And no matter what, your bat in the lineup is still good for us. But I was thinking maybe he got over this right now and has just been doing it. But maybe you're right. Maybe he's not over this. But I feel like it has been an extended period of time up to this point. And do we just keep relying on, yeah, it, it probably is just a wrist thing and he's playing through it. Or is this recent decent time amount of stretch more what he's going to be long-term. That's why I think he is, it is a tough question. I just, I didn't put that much stock into the wrist injury prolonging this long. I don't know if it's still bothering him. I mean, yeah, yeah I think it is. Like he just sat out yesterday. Um, 
and and he's kind of said it like created some bad habits and things like that. Mm-hmm. I I I feel like with Trey, we don't maybe he's hurt. I don't know. Like they haven't told us anything. The thing that we liked about the Xander contract when we were talking about it before the year is like, okay, even if he doesn't stick it short, that bat's always going to play. And I still really believe that. I really, as long as as he's healthy, that that bat's always going to play. Like, he is such a pure hitter. So I think if the defense is this good, which all of a sudden, like you mentioned, it looks really good. If he gets right, I, I think Xander's one of the guys I expect to to do the biggest 180 of this group. Uh, Trey, I almost hope that they would come out and say he's playing with something because then yeah. it would explain it. Cause I don't know what the hell is going on over there. Xander. I, I think he'll turn it around. I do think the fact that Machado went on the IL was part of the reason why maybe Bogarts tried to play through it. And you know they're trying to give him day off here or there to, to, to get better, but that's just not how it works. It's not going to get better that way. So we'll see how they handle that. We'll see if it gets better, but I, I am going to put a lot of stock in the injury here for, for Xander because I just think he's too damn good of a hitter and came out swinging it through the first couple weeks of the season. That's more than fine. I'm willing to you know be on your side with that and just say, all right, he's kind of fighting through a wrist thing right now. I'm just seeing a guy who had a 546 OPS in May and is already off to a terrible June, even though it's still early, of course. And it's just like, all right, when is that going to get healthy? And like, when are you going to go on the IL if it's hurt? Because he's not really providing much to the team right now outside of the defense, which is hilarious. Maybe they're just like, we need Xander Bogart's glove. Which we is, need your glove, man. Which like, is a kind of a funny sentence to make. But credit like to Xander for making so- those improvements. It's just, it's it's been a while now. Like, he did come out swinging, but at the same time, then it's been five weeks of shit. Yeah, no, like, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. He's got to get it rolling soon, especially for this team. And I think that's part of the problem. There's such a big drop-off, but... What's interesting now, we have another guy super injured all the time. And yeah. <laughs> Carlos Correa. It's so wild to me because it like the doctors were right, as we <laughs> we saw, right? That the doctors were right. Uh, he's dealing with like a plantar fascia issue, which generally stems from other ankle calf. That shit hurts. That shit sucks, man. I we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> One of the only times I've replied to an MLB trade rumors article, just literally saying that shit hurts. And it's from what I understand can be impacted by ankle calf, that kind of issues. That's what he kept failing the physical for. So it's just so wild to me that it's like, Oh yeah, it looks like all of those world renowned doctors were, were right. That said, Correa has still found a way to always be productive, but thus far 208, 298, 375 slash line, 88 WRC plus. And the defense has been fine, but it's not like Carlos Correa good. Where are we at with this dude? It's so funny looking at his defensive metrics too and seeing them around league average. I mean, that's, that's, it's, he's obviously right now in a spot where it's hard to move. Like as simple as that, it's hard for him to move laterally which is affecting his outs above average. You know, the arm speed's still there, and we see flashes, which is tough. It's almost like I'd rather him be all around horrible, so it's like, all right, he just needs to go on the IL. But then he'll hit a ball 114 miles an hour, and his barrel rate is still within the elite shortstops in Major League Baseball, within the elite power hitters in Major League Baseball. But you look at a lot of other metrics, and they're far below average. So it's tough because it's like, all right, 
maybe he felt good that day and he hits a ball 114 miles an hour and then he reverts back to just oh shit i'm so sore then he tries to leg it out and it ruins everything else i think from a pure production standpoint where do these guys all rank in war is carlos cray at the bottom of these four because when yeah. I've been watching him, it seems like Carlos Correa, just from a stat line perspective of this season, feels like the most disappointing of them all. 0.2 F4. And another guy that's getting blown up by fastballs. Yep. Which is so bizarre to me. 161, 257, 323 slash line against four seamers. I mean, I you can't succeed that way. And for reference, just you can see like what – Correa was doing against heaters last year, 356, 420, 554 against four seamers. So it's like, that's where it just blows my mind. I can understand the struggles. Maybe, maybe you're not hitting breaking balls as well. Maybe you're rolling over a little bit more, whatever. But some of these guys are getting blown up by fastballs. And, and that just doesn't seem right. Correa, again, another guy that you can maybe point towards some injuries, but I have less optimism about those injuries getting any better. This guy failed several physicals, several yeah. physicals. I don't blame the twins for signing him. They, they got a pretty fair deal. And I ultimately think that Correa will find a way to, to kind of work through it and be productive, but man, I'm, I'm kind of worried about him. Like wh where does he line up for you? Because for me, it's Lindor. I'm the least Agreed. Xander. I'm the second least. Trey and Correa are close for me. I would say Correa on the most because of just the failed physicals and the defense not even looking that great right now. Yeah. I but think it's close. When I came into this, I had Xander Cray and Trey Turner all in the, it's getting a little close to like these, this might be a bad season. Um, but with Correa, I think he's simply hurt because uh, there's there's almost no excuse. He's, he's not really going out of his, you know, he's not going out of the way of that he hits, right? He's still walking. He's still hitting the ball hard when he does, but he's just not hitting the ball hard as much. It looks like a guy who really just isn't moving well right now. With Bogarts, I think you're right more about the wrist injury. I think I looked too deep into that and didn't give him the credit because he did come out swinging. And then with Trey Turner, I think he's pressing and coming out of his approach more. Where Correa, he seems simply hurt, not really coming out of his approach. Bogarts might be as hurt as Correa at this point. And Trey Turner's coming out of his approach. Well, Lindor, I think, is just having a bad stretch against righties. The, the thing that alarms me about Trey is like the, the batted ball data in terms of like, lowest max exit it's still early but lowest max exit velocity average exit velocity down like why is he not hitting the ball as hard i don't know that's that's the part that blows my mind with correa versus xander in regards to injuries like xander it's a wrist thing hopefully that gets right correa it's like how many ailments does this guy have like we don't even hear about it. but he has so many he has so many ailments i would say i'm the most worried about correa I, think I would fair. say, I think that's just because fair. it's like, if he was still picking it, I'd be like, all right, well, you know, the athleticism's still there. He's not even picking it the same way. So like that, like that shows me a guy that's just not feeling good. Yeah. And and maybe he feels better. Maybe he gets better, but 
just seems like it's impacting him a little bit more. Like Xander's legs are there, obviously. Like he's defending. It's just something about swinging that bat with the wrist. But he's defending. He's moving well, whatever. Correa looks like an old man right now, which is nuts. 28 years old. I keep going back to that. Like, holy he, shit. It feels like he's 34. This is not a 34-year-old. This no. is the kind of prime. Like, 28, That's that might be your prime. best year ever. He's, like, just entering, like, basically, like, your physical prime. The last thing I'll say then, as it pertains to the Twins, how how do you feel about the Twins if Correa doesn't get any better? I'm so disappointed in this Twins team right now. I mean, how can you place. not be? First what? place. First place. First place. Like, what's the record? 31 and 30. The Red Sox are 30. Like, it's 31 and 30. The, the Red Sox would be tied for the division lead. The Red Sox would be tied for this division lead. I mean, I, I rank the Twins pretty high in this power rankings. They were on this incredible stretch. The pitching looks so good. They're getting Royce Lewis back, and I'm like, this, this lineup can bang. But at the same time, Jack pointed this out earlier in the year. The three true outcomes are getting them, right? They're not a team that's adjusting to the new rules well. They're not putting the ball in play. They're not using any speed. It's home run, walk, or strikeout. And that way of baseball isn't really working right now, especially for the Minnesota Twins. It can work for other teams, but this Twins team is not hitting for a ton of power. This Twins team is just, of those three true outcomes, utilizing the strikeout as yeah. their biggest outcome, yeah. right? And then some of the pitching has taken a, a slight step back. You know, Joe Ryan has still been excellent. Sonny Gray has still been excellent. But a guy like Pablo Lopez has stepped back a little bit, right? A guy who we, who we were excited about, who graded out metrically in terms of stuff plus, Louis Varland, taking a slight step back, right? Bailey Ober, slight step back, still solid. no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know has been lights out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like we were hanging our hat on this starting pitching can continue, and three fifths of it has not been as good as the beginning of the year. And then I look at the bullpen, and besides Duran, you know, Lopez has had a couple blowups. Like one is okay, two is okay, three, four, five. it's it's getting a little worrisome there, and then they don't have anyone else besides Duran, who I'm confident they can go back to. So they have to outslug teams and they ain't outslugging anybody. That's yeah. why they keep dropping all these games. Well, that So here's some context to that. They're number one uh, among any team in baseball in strikeout rate at 27%. You can pallet that if you lead the league in home runs. They don't. They're, they're tied for ninth. They're tied for eighth in home runs, which isn't bad. But if you're going to strike out the most in the league, if you're going to get on base at a 313 clip, which is towards the bottom of the league as well, you better be in the top three or four in home runs. And you better not. be one. Yeah. I mean, you if you want to compete for World Series, you have to be one. Yeah. If you're going to strike out that much and not walk at an elite rate, you have to be one in those stats. These old Twins teams were one. Well, and they don't do anything else. They stolen bases. With the new rules, a thing that is, you know, part of the game for sure, they are second to last ahead of only, or third to last, excuse me, ahead of only the Los Angeles Angels, who just won't let Trout run, and most of their other guys are slow and old, and the Colorado Rockies, who, like, are allergic to stolen bases. They hate them. So it's it's an interesting thing from that perspective. And, and the last thing I'll say is they could probably use Luis, Luis Arias right now, huh? Luis yes, Arias would be helpful. Would. Carlos Correa should be the guy that's kind of helping hedge that. He's never been a big whiff guy. He's been a guy that usually hits for a decent average. That was what made me feel a little bit better. But, man, I could use the guy that's hitting 401 for the Miami Marlins right now. I could tell you that much. that He was expendable for them. But 
I think it's an interesting approach to trade the one guy that balances out your lineup to go all in on the three true outcome approach that you just laid out. And right now it's like, it's like an NBA team. You looked at the Celtics losing to the heat in the Eastern conference finals. They're living and dying by the three and they died by it. If you live and die by the home run with these new rules, I think this was the worst year to live and die by the home run. Agreed. We're seeing teams like teams like the Marlins are succeeding. I think largely because of this new, these new rules teams Mm -hmm. like the giants are hanging around. I think partly because of that, you're seeing a lot of other teams that are performing and that are exceeding expectations. I think in part because of these new rules, diamondbacks are good. Diamondbacks, a perfect example of that. And this is the year you go all in on the, on the three true outcomes. The thing that the, the, the game is trying to eliminate a little bit that definitely raises some concern. I'm still a twins believer. I think they're going to find a way to kind of piece it together, especially with the division being so weak, but Correa stinking to kind of wrap it all together here. That really, really puts a damper on my, on my twins optimism relative to where it was. I have fallen out of twins love, by the Mm. way, they are the second worst defensive team. That's the other crazy part. I was not expecting that. It's just, you have some pitchers who are overperforming right now. You have a bullpen that I'm not confident in, and you have an offense that is falling behind, and your superstar looks hurt. And then your other superstar, Byron Buxton, he, has a is, history of being hurt. He is hurt. He that he is the the word hurt. He is the definition of an injury prone guy. Yeah. So I like Royce Lewis. I like Alex Kirloff. I like some of these players. But when I watch Twins games, they're one of the most boring teams in Major League Baseball to watch. Just crazy. I thought they'd be electric. Like they remind me of some of those old Yankees teams that never really did anything but did okay in the regular season and hit some home runs in some spots and then just get dusted. This kind of feels like the same old Twins teams that never make it with all due respect. 100 WRC plus puts them tied with the Yankees for 15th in Major League Baseball. So it, it, it's an interesting spot. I'm a Yankee spot. fan, Twins fans. I ain't, I ain't showering praises over my team either, even though they've yeah. been played much better lately. That 100 WRC plus was like 88 not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. So they've been playing better lately. But Twins fans, don't worry. I'm not showering praises on my Yankees either. I'm just looking yeah. at your team objectively just, like I look at all of them, and I'm like, there's a lot of other teams that I prefer right now. Well, the last thing I'll ask about this, what's their strength? Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray. <laughs> Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray, right? I mean, that, but they, Joe Ryan is so fucking good. He, he's awesome. But like, what's their strength? It's part of the pitching. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like just... the closer, like they have, they yeah. have some of the top end guys where I'm like, holy shit. Like Byron Buxton's right. It's like, he's the greatest player I've ever seen. When yeah. Joe Ryan is on his shit, he's one of the best pitchers in major league baseball. He could win a Cy Young. Yohan Duran might have the nastiest pitch arsenal I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he does. But then I look at the, everything else. And it just falls below expectations. It, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to me. Anything else you want to hit on before we we call it a day? I mean, we were talking about, you know, how the Minnesota Twins were wrapping in Carlos Crow. We haven't really talked about how the Phillies have also not been That's very true. good we might as well We might as well be fair and even it out here. Right? I, I headlined, you know, I kind of laid out the, the Phillies concerns I have uh, in that Friday episode. Yeah. Where the, the lack of prospect capital – the aging guys that they have. If Trey Turner doesn't turn it around, 
they though they have to play him every day. Obviously, there's there's no there's no other option. That's your guy there. They're even more stuck. I, I guess the best question would be. Which team with a struggling shortstop are you more concerned about, the Twins or the Phillies? I I'm more concerned about the Twins only because the Phillies proved it. The Phillies started off the season on a sour note last year, and then everything clicked once it got hot, and then they went on a run, got in the playoffs, and then made it to the World Series. I can hang my hat on that being like this team is still very similar to that, albeit, you know, they've gotten less production from Aaron Nola, but, you know, Zach Wheeler is still shown flashes, but again, he might be a lesser version, but if they're all healthy, I have more faith in them. The twins haven't proved shit yet. Yeah. So if they're both middling right now, I still have more faith in the Phillies that they've been there, done that rather than a team that hasn't proved it, but we're hoping they can. Phillies did it. So I have more faith in the Phillies. That's fair. And, and you look at the and Phillies. I have more faith in Trey Turner than Carlos Correa. So it's that, like, it's a twofold thing. Yeah, that's fair. And you look at the Phillies situation here um, and, and kind of where they're at. They could overcome, I think, a little bit more the struggles of Trey Turner. Let's say Trey Turner is an 85 WRC plus guy all year. They could still, they could still win ball games. You know, that you've got. sentence is nuts. I know that is <laughs> that's a nuts but sentence. Let's say he he's an 80. Like I think Carlos Correa being an 85 WRC plus guy hurts the twins more than Trey Turner being an 85 WRC plus guy. I think guy that's right. And, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe we'll find out. But I just see a guy like Bryce Harper who could put the team on his back. You got a guy like Kyle Schwarber who's starting to heat up in June. As, as we know, it's well documented. Nick Castellanos looks better this year. And yes, there's there's pieces on the Twins. We could have played this game and highlighted some guys on the Twins that are swinging it well. But again, more, more proven, more proven guys, yes. as you mentioned, in that Phillies clubhouse. Uh, and, and that makes me feel a little bit better about their situation there. Though I don't feel as good of, of, of the Phillies being a World Series contender if they're not getting everything out of Trey Turner, given some of their pitching shortcomings. Like for, for the Phillies to win the World Series, they need Trey Turner to be something close to Trey Turner. But I do think that they could easily finish ahead if both Trey Turner and Carlos Correa turned in equally disappointing seasons. I think the Phillies would probably have a better shot uh, in terms of just record. But obviously the Twins are in a much better division for themselves and can kind of limp their way to first place. Nobody wants that fucking division. It's insane. Nobody wants it. It's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. You the Royals, I just watched them play a series against the Marlins. The Royals are closer than the Oak to the Oakland A's than a lot of people want to think. I agree. It, they are horrible. Horrible. They can't defend. They cannot pitch. Can, they barely can hit. Yeah, they can't hit either. The, they're I starting hearing, like multiple first basemen because like, the they're not, just so desperate. On the not gambling advice stream, we get Royals money line. We get this. We get that. And it's always like the Royals are hitting the ball hard. just not finding a hole. It's June. <laughs> It's June. Like the holes might just not be there. Like the quality of contact might be fine, but you ain't finding any holes. Like Vinny's great. Nick Prado has been good. There's a new piece on JustBaseball.com about Nick Prado. But Bobby Wood Jr. has been objectively bad. MJ Melendez has not been very good. And then it's holes. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing to me about this team, Salvador Perez is the catcher. I love how we just transitioned. The the Royals suck right now. (laughs) This is the funniest part about this team to me. You have a catcher in right, 
Yeah. A first baseman and left. And then you have a first baseman at first. And you have but, a DH at catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Like that to me is just so funny in a nutshell. Like that to me is just a horrible team. That said, Prado's been an awesome story. He looks like he's finally kind of putting it together. Bobby Witt at least has drastically improved the defense. And I think Vinny's going to go nuts the rest of the way. Yeah, but, he's awesome. But the, this team, oh my gosh. It's, it's again, it's very close to, to that Oakland Ace ball club. Anything else before I give a quick so rare plug and we do the outro? I think we're going to handle a lot of headlines. I'm excited for tomorrow's episode because we're going to be identifying the teams with a less than a 5% chance of making the playoffs and start to talk about some players who the contenders are close to it of players that they should go get at the deadline. So that's going to be a great one. And then we'll do a bunch of headlines and send people into the weekend. Uh, But before you get to the so rare plug, just another reminder that this Episode is sponsored by BetMGM. Use promo code BASEBALL when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bet will be available once the wager is settled. So use code just baseball on BetMGM. Gambling problem? Call 1-800 or text. 1-800-GAMBLER. So real quick, um, we, we've got our, our free league that you draft your team and the link is in our episode description. Compete in that. I finished like 56 this the last week, which sucks. But I wanted to talk about my limited team real quick because I have a few bucks to spend there and I've been kind of trying to piece together the limited ball club. Lizardo's looked like a nice pickup for me. I picked up Kirilov. Alex Kirilov, speaking of the Twins. I think that's a guy that could actually help them a lot. Picked him up for cheap. My big pickup for $7, his limited card was Kerry Carpenter. He's about to come back. And I actually think he's going to be a big piece for me in terms of, I think he can give you a lot offensively. I wanted to kick it to you on like, who is an underrated hitter that I could maybe scoop up uh, that you think could be, yeah, maybe a, a little bit undervalued because again, I think people that really enjoy so rare, you'd enjoy the limited competitions. You know, if you really enjoy playing this game and you want to win bit bigger prizes and you know buy cards that you can flip for more and all that good stuff, that's what I'm doing on the limited side. I'm curious who you think I should add. It could be a super under the radar hitter. It could be kind of anybody. It could be freaking Nick Prado for for all I care. Like I'm looking for any underrated guy. I've got like ten dollars to spend. And for reference, Kerry Carpenter was $7, but younger guys tend to be worth more because you get to keep the card forever. I got you for a 26-year-old. He plays for Milwaukee, and I kind of like him. I just think he is, you know, he's in 350 right now with a 985 OPS, but at the same time, he he has 20 ABs in Major League Baseball so far. But I watch him, and I'm like, you put up some good at-bats. I'm going to keep watching you. Andrew Monasterio for the Milwaukee (laughs) Brewers. He's playing a lot of second base for him because uh, Bryce Terang has been in and out of the lineup, and he's been very productive, and he's just putting together good ABs. And he's a guy that probably nobody has heard of and might be a dollar on so rare, but in the gambling community, we've been looking at his half total bases, and he's been smacking them. So when I watch him, I'm <laughs> like, so this funny. is kind of a decent hitter. And, of course, the production is there. He's in 385. Now, he played a lot of his games so far at great American ballpark. So we look at his 20 AB so far 
uh, one, two, three, four of his games were at Great American where he just raked, you know, and he scored a run against the Orioles. Like, they're not using him a ton, but he has played in every game of June so far. He might be worthy of a dollar. I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm I'm all in on those because, again, like, you're just trying to, like, a lot of people that are trying to start, you can buy that starter pack of limited cards where you get a, a great value there and then you want to piece together the rest of your team. You can pick somebody up like that for a dollar. And if they get rolling, they'll go up in value quick and you can decide if you want to hold them or or sell that and go buy a better card. Like Yandy Diaz, you'd be shocked at how little he was going for in the beginning of the year. I was the last one I'll ask you before we call it an episode. The only issue is I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the big leagues because, of course, Willie Adamas is going to come back. Then he might lose some of his playing time. But at the same time, like he's playing much better than Bryce Tarang is. So maybe they stick I with him. I could stash him for a buck. Yeah. <laughs> I could stash him for a buck. This is another really low cost. Nolan Jones or Ryan Noda for $5. I like both. I like I, I, I like what I see from Jones, but I love what I see from Noda. I just think Noda... Uh, He's going to walk. 408 I, on base. Is I know. Crazy. It's almost like I'm worried that Noda's going to regress while Jones could go crazy because he's playing in Coors Field. And they're planning like on him. using him every day, but the one thing that's guaranteed about Ryan Noda, he's going to get ABs. He's going to be at the top of the lineup no matter that's, what. No matter so what. just saying that, if it's a close one, I would go Noda. But yeah. It's a, I might it's scoop good, both, to be yeah. honest. Because I said ten dollars, I could get both those guys and fill out my lineup. So, if you want to try the limited competitions, feel free to ask me any questions in the DMs. I had a couple of people ask me, and happy to walk you all through that. It's a lot of fun, uh, trying to pick up some of these cards and uh, flip them, or or you know, kind of build them up and they gain XP, which gives you more points. It's really fun based on the guys that you use, and you can enter competitions for bigger prizes. Be sure to join our league to compete with us. Link is in the podcast description. Peter, you can send us out. Best way to support the Just Baseball show is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Arm and I are both rocking our JB hats, but if you don't want to spend a dime, no worries at all. If you could rate and review five stars, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and comment something else that you'd like to see us talk about, as well as hit that subscribe button. We'll be back on Friday for a huge episode with the three of us. And with that, thank you for